Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gay Men Going Deeper, a podcast series from the Gay Men's Brotherhood, where we talk about all things personal development. Your hosts today are Callan, Matt, and myself, Michael. Today, guys, we wanted to talk about the illusion of control. Um, for those of you who are listeners of the podcast, you'll know that uh, some of us here are recovering control freaks. So we think this is a really good topic for anyone out there who has a hard time uh, letting go. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of my story briefly, and that is that I <laughs> I like to control things because I am very good at it, and I've learned how to be a doer, how to be a hustler, how to get shit done, and I've relied on that in my life to kind of ensure that I remained happy. So, for example, I would like to control the you know experiences of my life so that they would always be pleasing to me. What happened to me, though, maybe, I don't know, say five, 10 years ago, is it became a, a lot of a hustle energy and it tired me out. I had a lot of chronic anxiety trying to control my job, my relationships, pretty much everything around me in my environment. And that's when I really learned how to go within and realize that any sense of control that I thought I had was really just an illusion. And we'll talk more about that uh, throughout the podcast. But what I've learned from that is that when I can let go of the need to control, and don't get me wrong, I still try to control a lot of things in my life. But when I can ease up on that, especially when I'm starting to get into anxiety, and I can learn to surrender a bit. Um, it's funny how the things that I wanted to control naturally work themselves out, not on my timeline, not in the way that I wanted, but they do. And more importantly, the anxiety and the chronic stress has dissipated. So that's a little bit about my story with control. And as I said, I'm not all the way there yet. Uh, and actually, Callan and Matt helped me out on this topic quite a bit. So, uh, Callan, why don't we go to you? Ooh, Michael, this is a whole topic that I could get into because I got so much baggage and crap around control. So a bit of my story around control is like I grew up and had like a divorced family and I went through that at like the very like specific ages of like anywhere from like five I think I was about four or five when it started till like my early teens 14 15 and it was not clean it was a very messy breakup and it wasn't a divorce it was just separation and it was just, it was such a mess and so I felt like I was completely out of control because as a child at those ages like you crave stability you crave familiarity and you crave that like building foundations. And that's when you're building your foundations as a human being is those critical ages. And because I didn't have any of that, I became a control freak because I was like, if I control everything in my life, then I never have to experience that again. I never have to go through that again. Um, and that's, a, I find a lot of people who've had that experience of like upheaval, especially in childhood, like their parents, like had a messy divorce or a bad divorce or separation. Um, and they didn't have that stability, it didn't feel stable to them that they they struggle with a lot of the same issues. So mine manifested in like chronic like lockdown and control of like, if I can't control a situation, if I can't feel safe in a situation, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to like take part of it. And so that kind of manifested as perfectionism and all these other things. And like, if I wasn't going to be perfect, I didn't want to try it. I didn't want to do the thing because I'm not going to be perfect at it. And so this was a lot of problems growing up. And then I think it was about 2008. Um, I just moved back from London in the UK. Um, when I was there for a year, I really learned to kind of let go of a lot of that like chronic um, controlling because traveling all over Europe and then living in the UK in London, I couldn't control a lot of those situations. And I actually had a lot of great experiences from those situations of when I was backpacking Europe for three months before I settled in London. And it kind of taught me and built that muscle of like, oh, hey, this isn't always a bad thing to like kind of be spur of the moment and like go with the flow. Like it, it actually ended up working out so amazingly so many times that it kind of built a new muscle in my mind of like, hey, I can, I can do this. This is fun. And then when I moved back from the UK, I had had that time to kind of develop myself, become who I wanted to become as a person. And then my friend Heather um, kind of like spiritually activated me, you can say. And she took me to like her, her soul tribe group. And like we did full moon meditations and all these other things. And they've kind of opened me up even further into the world of like allowing, like let it flow. Don't push so hard on things because the more you push, the more resistance there is, I find. And so I've learned to kind of like 
take a breath, take a step back. Part of that looks like meditating um, as regularly as I can and reminding myself that, you know, it's like that song, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, get what you need. And that, that's it. It's like, I can't always get what I want the way I think I want it or the way I think I want it to look. But if I take a step back and I just hold the intention that this is what I want, but the universe knows better than I do, then maybe it's it's become easier for me to kind of go with the flow in that regard and trust that the universe has my back, trust that I'm on the right path and that whatever's supposed to come to me comes to me. And like, even though there's waves and flows and ups and downs in life, because it's a roller coaster, it's supposed to be, it doesn't mean that it's a bad experience or it's a bad thing. I'm just going through something that I need to learn so that I can come back up to the top again and experience like some happy times as I go up and down on this journey of life. So that's kind of like a quick little boop of my control freak and my illusion of control. I don't actually have any. <laughs> what about you, Matt? How, how's your vibes on this topic? Well, I could basically just copy and paste what you said. <laughs> um... I want to also be very clear that I am no, by no means recovering control freak. I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the thick of it right now. Um, it's very alive for me. Uh, there is no recovering happening. I'm healing aspects of me, like Callan said, from childhood that um, have impacted me greatly in um, making me not feel safe. Uh, when I was a child and um, lacking stability. So my parent, my parents split when I was eight. And I basically from the age of nine till the age of um, 17, 18, I was living out of a suitcase going between homes. And um, that created a lot of instability and a lot of um, a whole bunch of stuff started coming up. And then, you know, being gay and, and dealing with all the shame around that and, um, um, being highly sensitive, all these things started to kind of come into play. And I really developed this like controlling mechanism to try and control my, um, well, primarily it was my feelings, was trying to control my feelings. I became a, a master repressor. I became a master avoidant of my feelings. And um, that has had a great, great impact on my life. And I think now um, I'm learning the true, true meaning of feeling my feelings to heal myself. Um, I've always been a feeler, a deep feeler, but I was always um, selective on what I wanted to feel. And I, for a large, uh, most, for most of my life, I've always used other people's feelings as a distraction from my own. And it's a, it's a classic codependent um, trait that most empaths, uh, possess is that they um, make other people more important than themselves and their other people tend to be more of a reference point uh, for how they feel as opposed to just going in and, and connecting with their own emotional body and, and having the realization of what what is their experience and what is um, the experience of the other um yeah, it's I'm I'm I've always been on this pursuit for safety um, outside myself, and now going through all the things I'm going through in the last few months, um, I'm learning how to find safety within. And um, part of finding safety within is giving up control. <laughs> it's surrender. It's uh, non-attachment. It's all of these really heavy spiritual concepts that they're easy to say, but they're very very challenging to to master and to start to um, embody. So I'm kind of in the middle of it right now of, of a true letting go process. Uh, I think in the past, I've thought I've surrendered or I thought I've let go, but I was still holding on with my mind. Um, and now my mind is completely letting go. And um, I'm having a lot of challenge um, in life right now because of this. Um, and uh, there's a lot of resistance there's a lot of resistance in my mind. There's a lot of resistance in my body and my ego is hanging on for dear life. It does not want to get let go. And um, it's, it's interesting because as I'm going through this process, I, I'm a firm believer that in, on the spiritual journey, we attract exactly what we need in order to um, heal and uh, in order to evolve. And 
most times it's um, we need our ego to be challenged and I'm attracting a lot of this type of stuff into my life. And um, there's kind of two aspects of resistance for me. There's the resistance of things of, of wanting things to change. Um, and then there's the resistance of things not changing. And they're kind of two different flavors. Um, the resistance of things changing is like me trying to rush my spiritual process and me trying to get to where I want to be so I can finally be happy. And I'm, I'm leading with attachment. So it's like, I'm attached to these desires of what my life is going to look like once my healing has taken place. So it's conditional, right? As soon as I arrive to my destination, I can finally be happy. <laughs> and uh, that is just another trap that the ego sets up for us in order to uh, continue to embody control. And, uh, and then the resistance to not changing is, um, uh, Well, I think it would be the resistance to change, actually. That's the most alive for me right now because I'm, I'm being asked to give up a lot of, um, a lot of my conditioning <laughs> uh, around who I am and who I think I am and, who, and how I think the world is. And it's, it's really, really challenging me right now to fully let go of, of all these things because for me, my beliefs which is my conditioning are things that I hide behind and I incubate within them. Um, and I tell the stories of who I think I am. And I've even done that on this podcast. Like I tell the story of who I am, but really it's like, there's so much more to me than just these stories that I, that I continue to recite. And it's like, as I go through the, this, this healing, it's like, it's almost like I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm disinterested in my own stories, which it's a bit freaky you know, to go through that process where it's like you're, um, you're being stripped away of things that you um, really hold on to dearly about who you are and how you show up in the world. And I, I, I do trust that on the other side of all this is like this version of myself that um, is going to be a lot less triggered, is going to be need a lot less control, is going to be a lot more free spirited. Um, but I'm not quite there yet. And it's, uh, it's really challenging sometimes. But um I've been really leading with, because I think the opposite of, of my ego state and my wounded, traumatized child state is my adult free-spirited state. This playful guy that just wants to be free-spirited and have fun and uh, enjoy life. And I'm really trying to um, focus on those things. Like, how does my free spirit, my heart, not my mind, not who I think I am. How does that person want to experience life? And I'm just at the beginning of unpacking this. I wrote this in my phone this weekend. Um, so I'm going to spend some time journaling tonight and really, really get clear on like, how, do, how does my free spirit want to explore and, and play with life? And um, maybe I'll talk about that in the next podcast episode, what I came up with, because I don't know right now because i think I'm, I'm caught between the trap of fear um and freedom that's that's where i'm stuck right now i'm moving away from fear and towards freedom but i'm not quite at a place where i can let go of my fear because again control is what's holding me back um so hmm Yeah, it's almost like there's this part of me that's just kind of learning how to roll with the resistance. Because I think I've controlled and I've done all these things to try and make resistance not be there. But the more that I put up a wall up against resistance, the, the louder it gets. So I'm kind of just learning how to roll with it and have gratitude for the things that are really testing me right now. Because without those tests, I'm not actually evolving. And that's that's the spiritual matru maturity that I think I've... Uh, that I've, I've cultivated in the last few months is um, really truly being able to embrace 
the adversity and the resistance because um, that's what's transforming me. And I think I, I, I never really, I don't, I don't think I had that before. I think I was, my spiritual ego was like t telling the story of that and being like, yeah, like I embrace my triggers, but actually I'd be triggered as fuck. And I'd be like, I hate this person or I hate this thing. And now I'm actually able to like step back and be like, wow, like what is this, what's coming alive inside of me right now that I'm getting so stirred up and then I, th be, through, through the process of being stirred up, I see, I see my conditioning melting away. I see these things shedding off of me. So um, it's, it's, I just, I just realized the importance of, of the triggers and the importance of um, really having gratitude for these things. And we're, we're seeing this actually right now in the brotherhood. I want to speak to that because that's very alive. And there's a lot of stuff coming out in the brotherhood where people are sharing posts um, that are triggering the shit out of people. <laughs> and there's some nastiness being hurled around. And for the most part, we're leaving, we're letting these things go through because if we create this really, like, I don't want to confuse safety with, with um, the illusion of alignment of beliefs or collective belief systems coming together. And then everybody feels safe because of that, because then we don't grow and evolve. And personal development is about inviting this stuff in. And I just think it's really important for, um, us as a brotherhood to let some of these posts be seen and let people get triggered and let people hold each other accountable and have these this dialogue because we can't we can't live within this this bubble of thinking that we always have to be peaceful and loving and kind to each other because it's not about that we actually evolve greatly when we allow other people to infringe on our safety and our sense of control and make us really look within and say why am I so rattled right now by somebody believing differently than me and that's my control issues, right? I don't like when, when other people live or believe differently because it incites me to look within myself and really question my own security in my own beliefs. Um, so yeah, anyways, just a lot of cool things to unpack in this area. Um, but yeah, I'll leave it there for now. <laughs> I, like, uh, I like what you guys have said about where the controlling tendency comes from for, for both of you, I guess it's the same. As I was thinking about it for me, I think the, the earliest for me was trying to control what people thought of me when I was gay, like as a kid. And I was like, okay, I need to control what my family sees. And so it all started kind of from that, like controlling my reputation. So that was a lot of heaviness. Looking back at that, oof, it was a very heavy time for me. And what I learned though was that, like I said at the beginning, I'm very good at it. I'm very good at manipulating what I want others to see and controlling how people see me by what I share, what I don't share, how I show up, how I don't show up. And, and that, I think that was maladaptive for me because it taught me that I'm good at it and therefore I kept doing it. Not necessarily in the gay way, eventually I came out, but I just learned that I'm very good at controlling my environment, including my reputation. But that's exhausting because it goes completely against what we talk about when we talk about authenticity. And there is such relief huh, to be like, okay, you know what? This, this is who I am. I'm not going to control what you think of me anymore. I'm just gonna let you think what you wanna think. It's just comes with this element of relief. Um, so I think my flavor of control would be sort of, that was it's, in its initial stages what people thought of me. And then it moved more into becoming really good at controlling my environment, including the people I kept around. So to Matt's point now on the GMB, there would be a time where if someone didn't disagree with me or didn't like me or didn't whatever, I would just, it'd be easy for me to be like, no, thank you, goodbye. And <laughs> then I, I created a little bubble of like just people who I want to be with, which is nice. And yes, it, I felt safe and I felt this illusion of control, but it wasn't serving me at all, right? Because, you know, like we, like I said, you only grow in that resistance, not in a vacuum of people who are just like you. And if I may, I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, look at politically as well. Um, that happens a lot in, in, in the political environment where you're in a bubble of people who share your opinions. And then as soon as you get exposed to an opinion that is not that, triggers, mm -hmm. right? So really a collective thing. It's, it's in the GMB, yes, but it's, I think, all over the world mm -hmm. that we're seeing this happen. 
I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to touch on that with, um, with Matt as well and what you were saying, what's going on kind of like in the nucleus of the Gay Men's Brotherhood private Facebook group is that people are coming and talking about these things that either they're curious about or they're unsure about or the topics are coming up that can be like, you know, hot button topics, quote unquote. Um, and I do agree that like... <sighs> We need adversity in life in order to move forward. That's why it's there. The world, you know, this might be an extreme stance for somebody. And I used to be a utopian type thinker, like the world can be perfect. And in my mind now, I have a different belief because if the world was perfect, nothing would change, nothing would move, nothing would grow, nothing would go forward. And so we have to have adversity in our life in order to push us to the future. That's why things happen so that we can push against them and go, we don't want this. This is bad. I'm going to go in a different direction faster than I would have naturally gone in if I was just happy and nothing was pushing me in that direction. So in regards to the group and like having these conversations, I think that it's a good thing that these conversations are happening, even though we're seeing people get triggered and angry and upset because we provide kind of that safe container in order to move through that, that it's like, yes, I might have a different opinion than somebody in this group, but it doesn't mean I hate this person. It doesn't mean that I have to block this person or like completely push against this person. Yes, there's extreme people out there and there's extremists out there that will do that. And like Michael said, in the political world, you see this all the time. You don't believe in what we believe in, you're out of here, like complete oppression and push against. But in the group, we provide this kind of like safe space for people to come together and go, okay, I might not agree with you, but at least I can sit at the table with you and have a discussion about it. And that's when the real change happens is when you give the space to go, you know what, I don't agree with you. Um, but I'm willing to sit and listen because there might be a kernel of something that I can take on and go, hmm, maybe that alters a little bit of how I think. And then in my personal life, how I look at this is like, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, I'm, I'd never be willing to sit down at a table with a homophobe. And I would happily sit down at a table with a homophobe because I don't take everything that that person might be throwing at me as personal attacks. I take that as this is his, that person's conditioning and their experience of the world so far. Maybe I can be the new experience for this person to go, oh, not all gay people are the same or not all these experiences are the same. And then I can build that little bridge and they can get a kernel of information from me to shift. And maybe I can learn something from them about their perspective because there's three truths that are going on when you sit and talk with somebody. There's your truth, the, there's the other person's truth, and then there's the truth in the middle that's kind of a mix of both, you know? And we can only ever really see our own side of that story. And that's why it's always good to get like a third party outsider's view of things because they're completely removed and separated from everything. So this illusion of controlling what other people think in the group and be like, no, we need to control this. Other people need to think this way. I don't agree with that. I think it's beautiful that we all have different thought processes and we all have different experiences and every single person in the world is different and has different experiences. And so your truth is true to you because those are the experiences you've had that led there. Their truth is the exact same for them. And even though the two truths are different, and you both push against each other, it doesn't mean either one of them is wrong. It's just that they are different. And so I think that through our group, we're providing that space, that safe space to come together and to acknowledge those truths and acknowledge those differences that can help people grow and move further. Because if we don't have that adversity, you're, never, you're not gonna move forward if you're not working through that adversity. Um, and questioning why you think the way you think. I have one of the, I have this quote that I say, it's not my job to get you to change your mind or to think like me. It's my job to get you questioning why you think the way you think in the first place. Mm -hmm. That is what I love doing. I don't care if you agree with me. I just want you to question why you're thinking the way you think and to get to the deeper rooted purpose and meaning and thoughts of yourself that you can resonate and go, no, this is why I believe this is because I've done the work around it. Um, and, and with controlling, we always want to just control because it's an illusion of safety. If I can control everything, then I'm safe. But that's, you know, it's an illusion as we've talked about, like there's no such thing. And so I better, I like to more get to a better place where if I can be in tr like trusting faith that everything will turn out and the way it's supposed to be, 
And that's kind of like my spiritual belief. If like, if I just believe that like there is a higher good here and it is leading me on this path, I don't need to control the situation. I know that the right thing will happen at the right time with the right people. Um, so yeah, there's my little tangent. I'm getting off my soapbox right now. <laughs> I think um, what, what I notice for myself when I'm starting, when I'm getting into that controlling, when I sense that come up for me is when I start thinking things like, oh, I was supposed to be, or I should have been that kind of thing. So I think COVID is a great example. And I heard this a lot. Um, oh, I was supposed to be doing this this year. I was supposed to be, you know, on vacation. I was supposed to be going here. And it speaks to that certainty, safety. We want certainty, we want safety. But here's the thing. We never were ever going to be on vacation in 2020. It was never going to happen. We just thought we were. And again, it, that sense of safety and certainty isn't in the future because we don't know what's going to happen a minute from now, let alone a few months from now. But because we think we know, we kind of project that onto the future, but we never really know. We never know what the economy is gonna do. We never know what the virus is gonna do. We never actually know this. But when you think you know, you're giving away that power again externally when really that safety and certainty can only come from within. Um, you know, we, we only control, the only things we actually control are our thoughts, our words and our actions. Everything else is no idea. No idea what's gonna happen. So when you can, um, remember that you know, one of the things I like to do with, with, uh, during code was like, okay, no matter where this pandemic goes, no matter what happens with the economy, financially, politically, I know that this is how I want to show up. I want to show up in, in my full Michaelness of it, which is problem solving, you know, solution oriented, uh, try to maintain who I am through it all. And I think that's where the, that's where the growth really shows comes in when we when we place ourselves in these situations that are challenging and uh, that adversity mm. <clears throat> i um i want to just kind of point out to people um and then i'll relate my experience to it as well but um a really important question to ask ourselves is what are we attracting <laughs> What are we attracting? What type of nastiness, what type of conflict are we attracting? Because oftentimes if we look at control as something that we use to create safety, what happens if we don't control? Does that mean that we feel unsafe? <clears throat> and I think that when we start to look at this through the lens of, okay, what am I attracting into my life? We can start to look at the themes of what what needs to be worked on because the law of attraction is always in play and it's always bringing to us exactly what we need in order to evolve. So I want to share a couple examples. So when, when we first started the brotherhood, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of criticisms, um, of us, but specifically directed at me and guess what I was working through at that time in my life. I was overcoming people pleasing. And um, so the universe was like, oh shit, he wants to work on his people pleasing. Let's give him a lot of criticism so he can have a lot of practice at what it feels like for people to be disappointed in how you're choosing to show up in this life. And then you get to overcome that. How beautiful. What a wonderful way to step into your authentic nature, right? Have people tell you that your authenticity is shit. So then you can overcome that and then you get to be authentic, right? That's, that's one, one lesson. And then now I'm, I'm working through boundaries because this is an issue in, in my life and more specifically in, in intimate relationships. And guess what I attracted? I attracted people who were infringing on my boundaries, a lot of them, right? And um, I've done a ton of healing in this area. And then just in the last few days, I've had people messaging me being like, hey, like, you know, do you want to hang out or whatever? And I'm like, well, like, I got a really busy week this week. And they're like, super giving me space. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know what, do what you got to do. Whereas before people would be like, really trying to like, hawk in on my time. So I just wanted to point that out because it's like, we need to really get clear. And if, if, if you're not somebody that has a lot of insight into this stuff, start writing down um, these, these things that you're attracting into your experience that feel really uncomfortable, that you feel um, 
and perceive that are infringing on your sense of safety, because that's going to give you a lot of clarity into what actually needs to be healed within. If you start to look at it through the lens of, okay, if I stop controlling my experience and I let these people trigger me, what's going to happen, right? It's not going to annihilate you. It's just basically going to give you an opportunity to really sit with your shit and breathe into it, feel it, and then, and then let it transmute. And that's kind of the healing, the healing journey. And one of my my spiritual teachers, uh, Matt Kahn, he's like the best in the world. I love him to death. Um, he has taught me so much. I've been following his work for 12 years. I basically watched his very first YouTube video and um, I, I, I do a, a weekly coaching um, program with him. And he, um, he says... Um, there was a quote from, from last, last coaching is he says, evolution occurs at the rate of your maturity, not at the speed of your desires. And that was so powerful for me because when I talk about maturity, I mean that we, can we handle somebody challenging us? Can we handle not getting our own way on the spiritual journey? It's about, okay, I want to manifest this. The law of attraction is going to give me this. And we get all hopeful, right? There's so many law of attraction teachers out there that are talking about this stuff. And then when you like, are like, yeah, I want to manifest this. I want, I want 10 new clients and then you don't get them, <laughs> right? You're operating from the speed of your desire as opposed to the rate of your maturity. Um, so when we really come down to earth within ourselves, we realize that we're actually getting what we need, <clears throat> not just what we want. And that's when we, when, when a lot of beautiful evolution occurs on the spiritual journey is when, when we can um, start to lead from what am I able to handle, right? Um, because I'm mature enough to see that I can handle it. And knowing that you're getting everything that you need to get you to that place, but maybe you're just not ready to receive it quite yet. And um, I apply that to this journey where people really just want to start feeling good. They're in, they're in the gay men's brotherhood because they want to feel inner peace. They want to feel confidence. They want to feel these things, but we can't just have desires without working through the things that give us maturity, right? Which is really rooting into some of these things, these triggers, giving up control, surrendering to letting people trigger you, right? It's very humbling when, when we allow somebody to have an impact on us uh, and allow that impact to really, um, be a, a catalyst for some really deep healing. Um, so yeah, it's, there's, there's so much value to, to letting go of control. Um, and I'm not, I'm not preaching from a place of, um, of mastery. I'm by far, by far from there. Um, but I do know the direction and I know the theory of how to get there, but the practice is what I'm really putting into play right now. So, um, yeah, it's beautiful to know that there's other brothers in this brotherhood that are walking this path with us. And you two are definitely uh, two of my brothers that are <laughs> helping each other. We're, we're truly helping each other overcome this, this Huge. stuff. Yeah. Hugely. Like yeah. I was just thinking that I was like, I was like the, like you guys have helped me so much on my personal journey and holding me accountable to to going through those waves of like the roller coaster of like life will be a roller coaster the whole way through it's just a matter of like whether that roller coaster is going all over the place or whether you're actively at least building the roller coaster in a direction and so i'm thinking of myself of like you know what i can't control the fact that it's a roller coaster i'm on it it's life. I'm on the roller coaster. But what I do have a say over is the direction the roller coaster is going in. So like, yes, there's ups and yes, there's downs. But I see in the distance that there's the direction that it's going in. It might take a left. It might take a right. I don't know. But like, I'm constantly moving in that direction. And I'm riding those waves as a up and down and doing that with people that I care about and who can hold me in that safe space. And that's why community is so important. And that's a huge lesson that I've been learning through this journey with you guys is that I always wanted to do the whole lone wolf thing. I always wanted to go at it by myself because that was a control thing. I wanted to have control of my own destiny, my own stuff. I wanted to do it alone to prove to everybody or whatever I had in my head. And then through this journey, I've realized that like, I can't hold myself accountable to those maybe like darker shadow things of myself. I need other people who can hold me in safety and say, I love you. I support you, but I'm not going to let you get away with this bullshit anymore and mm -hmm. kind of hold it up to me. And that, that spiritual maturity that you're talking about, Matt, of like 
me then sitting back and maybe being triggered and maybe having a moment, but then coming back and going, okay, I value you. I value your opinion. I see that there's truth here. I'm going to sit on it. I'm going to maybe meditate on it, write it, journal on it and kind of process it. And we can come back and visit this later. That's the true journey of that like spiritual path. It's not always going to feel like rainbows and sunshines and lollipops. Like there, that idea of like, you know, when I'm a, when I'm at peace and when I'm a master, like nothing will ever affect me and nothing will be hard. It's like, no, that's a complete illusion. That's never going to happen. It has to be hard at certain points because it has to push you forward. Cause like I said before, we will move way faster away from things that we don't like than we will towards things that we like. And so we need that adversity to push us constantly forward in life. And that's part of the journey. That's part of the, the roller coaster that we're on. And so by embracing those shadow parts, those darker parts, and allowing yourself to engage with it in a safe container, which is, you know, what the GMB does for me and for a lot of other people, it allows that safe container that it's like, yes, there's going to be roller coasters in here. But at the end of the day, we all are here because we want to move forward. We want to better ourselves. We want to help each other um, better. We want to help others better themselves as well. So having that, that's kind of like the end goal in that roller coaster journey is like, yes, there's ups and downs are going to come, but the end goal, I can see a direction that I'm going in the roller coaster is being built in a specific direction. And it's not just like going this, that way and the other. Hmm. Well said. <laughs> I think it's, <clears throat> uh, you guys have both talked a lot about spirituality in this conversation. And I think someone who's, or who's listening or watching this might be thinking like, what does control have to do with spirituality? And to me, they go hand in hand because in order to release control, for me, what has helped me tremendously is having an element of faith. Whatever that faith is in, doesn't really matter, I don't think. But for me, just element of like, I don't know the best way. I don't. And if I can just let that go, even though I really think I do know the best way, I resonate deeply with what Callan said about that lone wolf mentality. But the more I let that go, oddly enough, eventually things do go the way that I needed them to go. And I, ha I, have, to get, I have to get out of my own way. And that is what the control part, that, that's where my control issues come in is, is I actually am getting in my own way by trying to control things. And I didn't see that before and now I do. And so that faith and that spirituality has helped me. And I see for those, for those of you who can't see, Matt behind him has a sign that says surrender, which I think is very fitting. Um, yeah, perfect. So, you know, we can talk more about that another time, I think, but it is important to know that it's, it's easier for me um, to let go of that control when I have some element of faith in, in either something greater or just simply letting go of that ego that I know the best way. That's, that's, that's helped me tremendously is, is saying, you know what, I'm willing to be wrong about it having to be this way, it having to be on my timeline with these people uh, on this date in this place. Mm. I want to pose my first question and then what I'll do is I'll answer the question and give you guys time to think about it. Um, what is your deepest seated fear? Okay. And I'm going to explain mine because I'm just coming, I've come to this knowing quite recently, and this is the healing that I'm doing in my life right now is around this core fear, this core wound. And I've mentioned this before in different podcasts, but um, I experienced a significant abandonment wound when I was younger. And um, I truly think that my soul has called in these abandoned, like abandonment in my life um, as a way to help me heal um, different parts of maybe um, soul fragments or whatever it might be um, to help integrate me and and learn how to love myself unconditionally like i'm i'm because what's happened is I, I experienced a core abandonment wound when i was younger and then i experienced a bunch of wounds on top of that um as i i got older and i don't know if that's synchronicity or i don't know if that's because my abandonment wound um closed me down when i was younger and then from a closed down place i'm attracting people who are also reflecting back to me my closed downness and then I'm experiencing that as abandonment I'm not sure right there's probably a bit of both but 
if you look at the opposite of, of abandonment, it would be like inclusion, right? Or feeling included. And this has been a big barrier for me. I do not let myself feel included. And I am scared shitless of community. <laughs> I'm scared shitless of groups. I am a lone wolf and I hang out with people one-on-one -on -one usually because I can maintain control. And um, this brotherhood and the, this other community that I'm developing, it's really challenging me in like the deepest, deepest, deepest ways that I've ever been challenged in my life because I'm having to I'm forced to give up control, right? Because other people will have influence over me. Um, if I allow myself to be included, there's a potential for me to be rejected and abandoned. Um, so this is like, oh man, it's heavy. Some heavy, heavy stuff around this, but there's only one way to heal it and that's to go through it. I'm going through the fire right now so I can heal this part of me because I'm tired of, I describe it as like, well, I don't even describe it. I feel it like this. It's like all the kids are on the playground playing and I'm sitting in the corner watching everybody play and have fun being like, Ugh, how dare they have fun over there? And I'm, you know, because I'm like, I'm not letting myself be in the group of people and have fun. And this is just, it's something that I've done my whole life and I'm kind of tired of it, you know, and I'm at this, I'm at a breaking point with it where I'm like, I'm really learning how to, well, first of all, step back into my power because I don't think you can do this, this without stepping into your personal power because you have to be, in order for you to put yourself out there again, you have to be coming from a place of, okay, I'm, I'm in my personal power in case X, Y, and Z does happen. But personal power is a lot different than control. And I want to be in a place of personal power without having to be constantly exerting control or trying to manipulate my environment or and or people in my environment so then I can feel safe. Um, so yeah, I would say that's my, my deep seated fear and that's kind of what I'm doing to overcome it. Um, yeah. Lone wolf, man. Oh. Done with that shit. <laughs> Done with it. Yeah. Amen. Um, wow. Okay. So for me, um, mine is a, deeply deeply rooted belief that I'm never going to be enough or that I'm not enough and I know that that resonates with so many people listening and watching right now um mine specifically comes from um oh I'm getting mm. oh so I have a tendency to like stop talking or lock myself down when I'm starting to feel emotions and I'm working through that. I've been working through therapy to like learn how to process and move through those. But um, so, oh, why can't I even just say these words? Okay, so mine comes from my father um, and it comes from this one incident where we, me and my dad's girlfriend, um, got in a huge fight because uh, we often did because she was a do what I say because I said so type person and I was a well I want to understand and like I was very like curious and she never wanted to feed that and she was just like she from my perception she just hated me and wanted me to go away um, and so we had a fight and it got physical and she physically attacked me and like was bashing me over the head with um, she was holding the remote control and um, she I tried to go into my room because we were right next to my room and to grab my phone to call 911 and she came in and rips my phone out of my room and like closes my door and holds it shut. So I couldn't get out until like I settled down and I just crawled into bed. And when my dad came home, obviously they talked and he comes into my room. He like crawls into bed with me and like starts talking to me about like what happened. And I thought um, that he was going to like support me. And, um, and he told me that it was my fault. And why do I have to rile her up like that? And I was like, maybe like 12 to 14, like somewhere in that range, maybe but younger. 
and uh, oh no i wasn't i was like 15 and um he told me that uh i needed to move out um and so he actively chose her over me who was like this like defenseless kid and like i know that like i had my mom's place to go to but my mom wasn't financially like sorted so i knew it would be difficult for her and so it really comes from this place of like i'm never going to be good enough and i was never good enough because my dad would rather choose a woman and a person who was a terrible person over his own child and so that's kind of like my worst fear and that's a lot of the stuff that i work through in processing and what I've been working through in therapy recently is um, working through that thought of like, I'm not a good enough person, even for my own family. And that's why I've never been close to family because why should I be close to people who didn't want me when I could choose my chosen family? And that's why I actually have totally embraced the gay community and I really like dove into it and like got involved and like developed friendships because I wanted to have that foundation for myself and that's where I found that um and I mean I was lucky to find that and I was lucky to find good people in the gay community um and like I joined things like uh gay choir I was in the Vancouver men's chorus and other places and that's where I found a lot of my like personal security and my personal family to like my chosen family. Um, but yeah, my, my biggest fear is that I'm never good enough or I'm never going to be good enough. And it comes from that one experience. Mm-hmm. Holy, that was a lot harder to share <laughs> than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> mm. But thank you for, uh, for holding me in safe space to share this. Oh, okay. Michael, your turn. Uh, Well, thank you, Callan, for sharing that. Mm -hmm. I think that's very uh, raw and honest. I think that I think a lot of people listening will resonate with that, that fear. Um, Matt, good question. I think for me, it's a little bit of both, a bit of both of what you guys have both said. So I mean, it might not be the same reason, um, but for me, abandonment has always been something that I've been struggling with and I've worked a lot on. And that's where my, or that's where my lone wolf mentality comes from is like, if I'm a lone wolf, you can't abandon me. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> <laughs> and all that does, of course, <laughs> right? Yeah. All that does is prevent people from connecting with me. So yeah. there's the, there's that. And then I think, the other piece was the not enoughness. Um, my version of not enough, I think, comes from being gay and having this belief that that isn't a um, that people who are gay are just not. Uh, you know, they don't have that. They're not. They don't deserve a spot at the table. And when I say table, I'm talking about like as a child, like my family table. And it kind of goes back to that. I'm still that little boy in some way who wants to be loved by his big happy Italian family and I am don't get me wrong I am today but there's still a part of me that has that deep fear of being um, rejected or abandoned by them because I'm not good enough so I think it's a bit of a combination of both it's funny when it does pop up for me I, I usually can see it happening especially now that I'm in a relationship it pops up a lot more <laughs> But the, yeah, I think those are the two big ones of, of not being good enough and therefore someone abandoning me, abandoning me because of it. I just like, Michael, when you brought up the whole relationship thing, I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> because my first ex broke up with me and it wasn't, you know, those breakups where it's like, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing bad. It's just not, it's just not right. Like it's not it's not a fix for whatever reason. One of the people in it is like, this isn't for me right now. And as much as that sucks that like, you know, don't force it. Um, so it was one of those blindsided breakups where I like, I was like, wait, what? And it just reaffirmed that not being enoughness in my being. 
And so I took that like from my dad not being enough to the relationship not being enough. And now I'm sitting here being like, huh, is that why I'm always single? (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for putting that little like in my head being like, huh, more to work on, Callan, more to work on. For next time. That's so funny. I've never had anybody break up with me because I always beat them to the punch. I'm like, I've, I've sabotaged so many relationships. It's not even funny. Like that's like my go-to just sabotage it before they can reject me or they can see how defective I am, you know, like just get the hell out. Ugh, so done with that. Uh, oh gosh. So control guys. What are we doing control. for time? <laughs> we, I think we got like maybe a couple more minutes five more yeah five more minutes five minutes okay well what do we want our last words to be on today's illusion of control topic what's one thing that we can all commit to how about moving forward or what do you have michael we can pick between the two mm-hmm. uh i was just gonna ask a question for the for the viewer slash listener who has a oh, okay. with control that like if you're someone who's having a hard time with control, and I wanted to ask you guys, what's something that you do in that moment where you really are holding on? Like how, what's something you can do to let go, to help let go? Yeah. What do I do? That was exactly my question. And that's so funny. I, I can ask myself the question, um, what's, 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 what could be on the other side of this? So again, my, my thing of control is like, I want things to go my way on my timeline, the way I set them out in my mind as I'm very like a high achiever action oriented kind of person. And then it doesn't always work out that way. So when things don't go my way, I like to ask myself, what could be like, what's for me if it doesn't work out? Like, mm-hmm. I kind of think the universe is just like taking me and saying, no, <laughs> go this way. What you want is there. And instead of being so focused, like with blinders on, on this direction, opening mm. myself up to the question of, Hey, what's over here with curiosity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'd say similar to Michael. Um, I always try and default to curiosity and staying curious and being like, okay, what's over here then? Like what, what's going on that I'm not seeing. And I also like to break it down to like, what's the truth here. And I'm not saying like, what's my truth. I'm saying, what's the truth. It's not, not my feelings, not my emotions, not my, perceptions what's the like factual truth and I kind of try and base things around there and I you know maybe that leads to like five different options and I kind of try and keep an open mind and like sit in that curiosity in regards to those five different options and then I just kind of allow it to evolve in that place so get curious Yeah. I'm going to just say presence. I think when I, as soon as I lose presence, that's when control sets in because I don't need control in the present moment. I'm just in the, I'm just in the moment. Right. But when I'm thinking about the future or thinking about the past, that's when my control wants to grip on. So I've just really been trying as much as possible. It's really hard, but um, to be present, just be present in the moment and really focus on um, what each experience can teach me and really focus on being grateful for my lessons, even though they're really painful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think those are all great tips. Thanks guys. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think it's that time. So if you've loved this chat, please subscribe to us. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, give us a subscribe, give us five, a star rating. If you liked us, share us around. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe, hit that bell button, give us a thumbs up. Again, share it around. And if you're not part of the Gay Men's Brotherhood uh, private Facebook group, come and join us. It's completely free. The links are in the show notes. Um, you can link to all of our socials in there. Hit us up, say hi. We love growing and we love sharing this journey with everybody else. Um, and is there anything that I've missed out guys that you can think of no awesome well until next time have the best day ever everybody peace love rainbows bye bye guys